record on the screen. How's everybody doing today? How are we doing? Uh, again, been a little bit of a delay since our last episode. Uh, no apologies for anyone. We're busy people. We have lives. <laughs> a lot of stuff to do, man. Yeah. You look tired. How are you doing? You okay? Yeah, I'm doing all right. You know, hanging in there. A lot of school. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, just getting by, you know. Dude, I'm taking 18 credits and working 30 hours a week. This shit is crazy right now. Yeah, it sounds busy. A lot yeah. busier than I am. Yeah, that's insanity. You look, you get any sun, you look You look like you need some color. Darker than you, Doug. Uh, <laughs> going to Mexico. Got better lighting right now. but Yeah, you know. in a couple of weeks. Yeah, where are you going? Mexico. You're going to visit our parents, really? I didn't even know that. Yeah, I am. Oh, that's fun. It's mm-hmm. much more fun than being in the fucking cold, I'll tell you that. Yeah. All right, well, enough of the chit-chat. We're going to get our... Well, episode started. Um, yeah, so uh, first of all, just wanted to, you know, we already touched on the delay, but, you know, we're busy people. We got busy lives. And, uh, you know, we can start uh, just asking each other. And this is a question that, like, you know, is actually a topic that we've never really talked about when it comes to you, but I think we know, like, why, but, like, we never really talked about it in depth. Why did you stop doing, uh, well, I guess wrestling was yours where you, you stopped. So, um, well, it's a, there's more than one reason. I'm sure there's more than one reason for you. Yeah. Well, um, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to jump too far in and call people out, but there was a lot of pressure on me from, you know, the coaches who I had known since I was little and, um, just, you know, a lot of pressure for one. And it was never, you know, the competition aspect was never something that I really enjoyed all that much. I always got super nervous and felt like I didn't perform as well as I should have. Yeah, and I, felt, I feel that always sure. felt bad about how I did. And also, um, you know, uh, after like during COVID, we, we had our season delayed for a whole bunch of months. And t- the time came where, you know, I had graduated high school already and I was wanting to, you know, have fun with my friends, enjoy my last summer. Yeah, you know, be like a normal kid. And uh, it just, yeah, wrestling didn't seem like it was the thing to do at that time. I had a lot of other big plans for the summer, and it was going to involve me missing some things that I really wanted to do. And, yeah, so I just thought now is the time. Yeah. Well, yeah, that makes sense, you know. Uh, it's a little bit following what my reasons, a lot of my reasons were more physical, though. Uh, you know, walking around with uh, some meniscus damage and just crazy back pain um, all the time. And it was just getting harder and harder for me to recover. And uh, also like, you know, the mental side of things, some that people, you know, don't really talk about, like it, it wears and tears on you. And I, you know, me and you have been doing this forever. So uh, at the end of the day, like it was going to be one more season or no more seasons. And after the first couple of days of practice, I kind of knew where I stood in terms of all that, uh, it's the hardest part was like the moment I quit the first national rankings came out and I was ranked 23rd in the country and like being national ranked was something that I always wanted, something that I was like going to take a lot of pride in, but you know, at the end of the day, like, uh, I'm really happy with my career. I'm really happy with wrestling taught me. And, you know, me and you were both going to be jujitsu kids. We're, we're, we're going to do that to, in, at least in some aspect for the rest of our lives. So, Absolutely. uh, yeah. All right, we can jump into to the episode now and talk about uh, your boy here. 
Your boy, Ngannou Medoff over here. <laughs> so not like the best technical wrestling. Let's start with that because like, you know, he, he's not going to go out there and take down DC or take down Brock Lesnar or do any of shit. But, you know, it, got the job. Saw a lot of good things. We saw a lot of good things out of Francis. Saw a lot of good takedown offense. Saw some takedown defense, too, in the first round. Uh, and he's apparently like tore his meniscus entirely uh, and had damaged his ACL. So crazy that he even fought. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on, uh, on Francis' performance? Uh, I agree with you completely. It wasn't the most like pretty wrestling we've ever seen in MMA. Um, but he showed some, certainly some good timing. Uh, he, he capitalized on the opportunities that, that, uh, Cyril gave him. Cyril kind of got off balance trying to like wing those knees a bunch of times, like we saw. And Francis took advantage of the opportunity. And what I was really impressed with was his ability to keep him down, you know, and uh, he's super effective with the ground and pound. There was at one point where Francis had his back and was raining down punches where I thought it was almost going to be stopped. Yeah. And so how about his heel hook defense in the fifth round too? That was, that was scary. Yeah. That was scary. I thought he was going to tap. Yeah. Cyril Gaon has had uh, finishes with, with leg locks before. So yeah, no, he finished, uh, I forget what the man's name was, but a taller gentleman with, with a heel hook late in the fight. And you kind of saw it develop, right? You saw Cyril like think about going for the leg and then you saw Francis initiate the sweep and sort of like, oh, shit, now I got to go attack this leg. So he attacked the leg. Uh, and people were shitting on Cyril because, like, he thinks that they think it's a big mistake. And don't get me wrong, it's a big mistake. Like, it's definitely a big mistake to try to attack that leg that late in the fight. But, you know, it'll come with more experience. Uh, and honestly, you know, I think for uh, Cyril, uh, it's a type of situation where you have to put him in a matchup where he, his wrestling is going to get exposed. And I think the Curtis Blades fight right here is going to make sense for him. And, uh, you know, I think that fight's going to get booked. And, I mean, they got to give him a couple – they got to give him an eight-week camp, I think, just so he has time to prepare himself. Because if he has that kind of wrestling, I, I don't think it's going to – I don't think it's going to look very good. What are your thoughts on that possible matchup? Um, you talking about Cheryl Gonner versus Curtis Blade? Yeah. Yeah. I like that matchup. Two uh, very technically sound fighters, for sure. Um, I would say two of, like, the cleanest striking in the division, you know. Yeah, but uh, I mean, really Curtis is wrestling. Time. I mean, he's yeah, the best, yeah. one of the best wrestlers in heavyweight history. Mm-hmm. And um, I certainly love that fight. Yeah, I think um, that you know people count Curtis out a lot now because of that that fight he had against Derek Lewis. Yeah, but I think but, it's a terrible matchup for Cyril. Yeah, me too. I I mean, I also think that uh, Curtis Blades was winning that fight until he got knocked out. Definitely was, no doubt about it. Yeah, and so I still think he is one of the top guys in heavyweight. And if there's, you know, anybody else but John Jones that, that's going to fight Ngannou, he's one of the top guys for sure. To fight zero. Yeah, but if, you know, if he could win. That, True, that fair enough, yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, and then we can talk about Figueredo Moreno. And we might have a, fig- a differing opinion on this. Do you think Figueredo won that fight? Um, I, I do think Figueredo won that fight. Typically, you know, you see those closer decisions go to the champion. So as like, you know, the decision was being read, I was like, oh, they're going to give it to Moreno because, you know, we've all seen it a million times. Where, yeah, where the champion gets the favor for yeah. sure. But I thought that, you know, Figueredo with the, the couple of knockdowns, the grappling exchanges were close. The striking was close. It was a close fight all in all, but like those, those two knockdowns, I think really put it over the edge for Figueredo. So really where it was for me is it's all coming down to round three. I think uh, Moreno won four minutes and 56 seconds of round three. 
I think he dominated that round and then got dropped and put an anaconda choke at the end of the round. And all three judges gave him round three. He dominated that round statistically, but it's clear that the judges see the big moments. But then you track this back. like So if that's how they judge, you see the big moments. Uh, you track this back to the Khabib-Justin Gagey fight where two judges gave Justin Gagey round one, even though he got taken down and almost submitted. And even though maybe Justin Gagey was possibly like edging out the striking exchanges in that round, they, ga- they gave him the round, even though Khabib had the big moment. So like, it's just judging a consistency that I don't really understand. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, like the judges are what the judges are. Like they're, they're not, you know, conclusive at all. Yeah. Here's the thing I think about like your comparison. The judges always seem to weigh striking above like, you know, the submission game. And I think they see like a knockdown as being much closer to the finish than what, when Khabib, you know, what he had like a, a arm mark set up. Yeah. Yeah. And, th- and that's fair, you know, cause like we, as you know, grapplers, we see the knockdown is just another way to change from the feet to the ground. Right. But these judges are oftentimes boxing exports, whereas you get like sometimes the retired MMA fighter, like you saw Frank Trigg in the octagon. Hey, and by the way, did you see Frank Trigg like talking to Bruce Buffer and like milling it up with Bruce Buffer? Do you know about their whole thing? You know that uh, Frank Trigg and Bruce Buffer got in a fist fight in an elevator like 15 years ago? <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> and Bruce Buffer like apparently like took his back and put in the rear naked choke. Really? <laughs> yeah, when, when Frank Trigg was ranked fifth in the world at 170. Jesus, that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> but then they're just talking and milling it up like nothing ever happened. I thought that was funny. Um, Plus the beef. But yeah, if you, only if you know the, uh, the the beef on that, yeah. All right. So we're going to talk about a card this weekend. Uh, you know, it's a fight night card, so not exactly like, uh, you know, talent packed. But we got do got actually a lot of great fights on this card. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to the main event in particular. Um, we're going to start with Julian Arosa versus Steven Peterson. What do you think about that fight? Uh, for me, you know, Julian Ar- experienced fighter. Um, oh, actually, I'm thinking of the wrong fight here. Yeah, but uh, Julian Arosa, they're both actually pretty experienced. Uh, they have a lot of wins, lot, some losses. The, um, the Steven Peterson guy, right, is coming off a win off of uh, Chase Hooper, I believe. But I think uh, Julian Arosa can get this one done by decision. Not too much of a compelling fight, you know. Yeah. Kind of both journeymen in their own right. But yeah, not the most compelling fight. Uh, Arosa had his stint on the Ultimate Fighter, uh, so he's you know been around a while, been in and out of the UFC several times. Uh, I think he's coming into his own though. He's on a three fight win streak in the UFC, a three fight finish streak in the UFC. So I'm taking him to win, and I'm actually taking him by submission. He's looked really impressive his last couple of fights, and I'm looking forward to seeing his trajectory. All right, moving up to middleweight. This is the actual Ultimate Fighter finale uh, because, you know, Treshawn Gore was injured uh, before the Ultimate Fighter finale and was replaced by Manny Rojas. And then now it's Treshawn Gore versus Brian Battle, the fight that was meant to be uh, the Ultimate Fighter finale of uh, Volk versus Ortega uh, for the middleweight division. This is a really intriguing fight. I know a lot of people are really looking forward to seeing this. Uh, What are your thoughts on this contest? Um, Yeah, a super intriguing fight for sure. We see two guys, you know, with not a ton of experience, but Brian Battle has had a couple or has had a fight inside the UFC before, which he looked good on that Barboza versus Chikadze fight. Yeah, it was and, the, the ultimate fighter finale. Yeah. Uh, he won the ultimate fight. Gore has never, he's never uh, seen the big stage before, right? So, yeah, I'm thinking that Brian Battle can get this one done. 
So you don't know the storyline behind these guys at all. You're, you're just Googling it now. You're Googling it now. Dude, so Trey Sean was the huge favorite to win that season, the ultimate fighter. He had stopped everybody. Uh, and Battle was actually the last pick and got to the finals. Uh, Trey Sean has hands of stone. He's a super athlete. Never looked to be in trouble the entire show. Uh, looked just about unbeatable. Uh, especially against Manny, who was a guy who actually put battle in trouble when they fought. Uh, so I'm definitely taking Trey Sean definitely by knockout, like okay. relatively early. And if you okay. did your research, that would, that would be the answer you'd come to. Okay. All right, we have a middleweight fight, Very Sam cool. Albee versus what was supposed to be Phil Hawes until about two hours ago. Oh, when Brendan I... Allen stepped up and took that fight. Phil Hawes out with an undisclosed injury. Uh, in my opinion, this Phil is a Hawes. much worse matchup for Sam Albee. What do you think about this one? Um. Either way, I've never been the biggest fan of Sam Sam Alvey's fighting. Smiling Sam, that's the boy. He's a funny guy. He's a he's always got a smile on his face. Obviously, he's always in good spirits. But I think he's kind of boring, to be completely honest with you. He beat Rashad Evans. He's got some great wins. We beat old Rashad Evans. Yeah, over the hill. But yeah, I originally had Phil Hawes to win by um, KO, and I'm still sticking with uh, what did you say, Brendan Allen? Yeah. Brendan Allen by knockout. Yeah. So for me, um, I actually, so if you look at Sam, even though he's boring and he's lost a lot of fights, he's never been knocked out at middleweight. So, and he's fought at middleweight at 205. He's only ever been knocked out by Jimmy Crute and Antonio Rogero Nogueira at 205, two big power punchers. Um, so I think in this fight uh, with Phil Hawes, Phil was going to go for it early and probably hurt the guy a lot uh, hurt Sam a lot the first two rounds and then gas out. I think was thinking of a 29, 28 decision. Brendan Allen is a grappler by nature. He's good at it. And uh, he's going to beat the shit out of Sam Alvey and submit him very early. And this is going to be a seven fight losing streak for Sam Alvey. And he's going to get cut from the seven fight losing streak. Yeah. He'll be, uh, he'll be the second most second biggest losing streak in the UFC outside of BJ Penn. So getting the snip. I have a well, they, they will. They like that's the thing, though. He's taking this short notice, fight, short notice fight against arguably a better opponent. I wonder if they'll give him another shot. I mean, they gave him another shot after his sixth fight in the losing streak. And Sam Alvey, it's not like he's a household name like BJ Penn was. I don't understand why they're keeping him around. Is it maybe because he's a good dude? I don't know. I mean, but yeah, he's always kind of he uh, stays super active. I know that's true. He's always willing to fight. So, and he takes fights at 85 and 205 and just kind of you know, does the thing for the promotion. I thought this fight against Phil Hawes was just kind of a way to elevate Phil after being knocked out by Chris Curtis. Uh, but yeah. All right. Now we get into a real interesting fight. I believe yeah. this man's name is Shavkat Rachmaninov versus Carlson Harris. What's um, your, what's your prediction for this one? I think this one has fight of the night potential written all over it. I agree. For sure. This is Chakra. He's Chakra an animal. Guy. He is an He's animal. Undefeated, right? Yeah. Almost all finishes, a lot of submissions. Um, and this other guy, Carlson Harris, he's absolutely no joke either. Um, should be a super interesting fight. You know, I'm expecting it to be a barn burner and uh, for Shockvot to win by submission later. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. I'm taking Shockvot by submission. Uh, really just like, you know, like he's a phenom, one of these up-and-coming guys who we really got to pay attention to. He has two submission wins inside the UFC, but he's shown in, I believe, Titan FC and LFA that he has the hands to back it up. Uh, really looking forward to seeing what he could do. Carlson Harris is a tough opponent. Don't really expect him to do too much work on um, taking Shockbot by submission. All right, now we move on to the big two. Two very interesting. This this command is actually very interesting. What do you have here? Oh uh, yeah, we got 
Punalehe Soriano versus of AKA, huh? Of American Kickboxing Academy of AKA okay. versus uh Brian or not Brian Nick Maskinov. Nick Maximov, who is uh out of the Diaz Brothers Academy, is Nate Diaz's okay. like little brother, kind of. Um, and I think you know uh, this this guy, this Nick Maxov guy, he's undefeated, also correct. Yes. And, uh, he's only had one fight in the UFC. He's a contender series guy. I really liked what I saw from him um, in the fights I watched him in. I think he can get the job done by unanimous decision. Yeah, I'm going to go the other way on this one. Uh, Maximov has been shown to be a really good striker, really good with flashy exchanges in the grappling. Obviously, coming out of the Diaz Brothers Academy, this is you know a guy who we're going to watch for a while. He's super young. I believe he's only 23, 24. Uh, but Puna is a little more seasoned. Uh, he's got the wrestling background coming out of AKA. Again, these are two guys who are like coming from great gyms. Uh, and it'll be the story of those two gyms out of California, no less. Uh, but I think Puna's got a little bit more of the wrestling pedigree we like to see in this situation. And I think he gets it done by decision. All right, now the big one, the big one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we're going to disagree here. I don't either. This is a, a super compelling fight, honestly. Um, Sean Strickland is one of the like uh, most likable guys in the sport right now. Yeah, he's sparring. I've seen some crazy sparring. Yeah, he's a nutjob. Just like coming forward and screaming at his sparring yeah. partners. But uh, Jack Hermanson is obviously no slouch. Super good wrestler. Super good submission game. But um, I think Sean Strickland can defend the takedowns and get the job done by TKO. Are you taking by TKO really? Uh, yeah. I'm taking him to go the distance. I think Strickland's going to go the distance. Uh, I think this is also a relatively safe pick. We don't see Jack getting finished, even when he's dropped by big punches, like by a guy like Marvin, who's a heavy hitter. Um, he got finished by Jared Cannonier, but Jared Cannonier has some of the scariest hands in the history of middleweight. Um, yeah, so I'm thinking of uh, Sean. You know, he's going to stay on the outside, pick the guy apart, do a lot of screaming, talking some crazy shit, and uh, get the win by decision, and propel himself into you know maybe being one or two fights away from being in a conversation for a title fight. Uh, this dude, you know, he's a psychopath. He's a legitimate psychopath. Uh, told that you know you should see like where his dm to dylan danis was did you ever see that <laughs> no i didn't he dm dylan danis is like dylan i would never fight you in the octagon because you're way below my pay grade what i would do is i would take you out to the middle of the desert and i would roll you out of my car and we would do crazy shit <laughs> you you would be the prey you would be the prey and i would be the predator <laughs> What a strange man. <laughs> he also said on the Helwani show that he's been suppressing his homicidal urges since he was a young man to actually kill people. So that's a great look for the sport. I <laughs> kind of might need some help, bro. That he uh, was a former Nazi, was raised by Nazi, <laughs> this is raised true. by white supremacists, and now loves all people. So yeah. We just need to keep booking Sean Strickland fights so he doesn't murder anyone, but he's also a really bad dude, right? So uh, videos of him cold, knocking out people cold and sparring, of him screaming at Dominic Reyes, you're not going to take this shit. So, yeah, I'm just really looking forward to see Sean Strickland every time he fights. I think he's a true character and uh, one of the last like truly authentic guys we got left uh, in MMA today. Absolutely. All right, so we're going to get into some MMA news of the week. Starting off with a bang, uh, we've both been looking forward to the guy's next uh, fight announcement for a real long time now. Uh, Tom Aspinall is going to be taking on Alexander Volkov in what is almost certainly like a top contender. I mean, not a top contenders match, but for someone who could enter into that spot to contend for a title or be in a number one contenders match. Uh, what do you think about this fight? 
Um, I think the UFC is really looking for Tom Aspinall to win this one. Absolutely. Alexander Volkov has been around the block for a while. Um, I don't, has he ever fought for a title? I'm not sure. No, but he's been one to two fights away. Yeah, he's been days. certainly up there for a long time, kind of just fell short over and over again. So I'm seeing this as the UFC's way to boost Tom Aspinall into that tighter title picture. Yeah. And I'm super excited to see a great striking matchup between two great boxers in this one. Yeah, I mean, we could see a scenario here where Francis gets stripped. Uh, you know, you, they do uh, John Jones versus Stipe for the vacant title. And then you see possibly a Cyril Gaon versus Tom Aspinall interim title if he wins or something of that, or number one contenders fight of that nature. If all Tom has to do, he's got to win this fight. You know, it's, it's a very important fight. Uh, and it's really the first stiff test that he's had, I think. I think, you know, Volkov's uh, not easy for anyone. He's 6'7". The range, the range is crazy. But, you know, I, I think it's a favorable matchup for Aspinall because the guy's not looking to grapple. Uh, I think, you know, if you throw Aspinall in there against Curtis Blades, that's a different kind of situation. It's not exactly a favorable matchup. Curtis kind of the boogeyman at heavyweight anyway. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing this fight. It's on the UFC London card. Uh, along with the Patty Pimblett versus Kazula Vargas fight. I'll give you three guesses who Kazula Vargas is. I've never heard of him. Me neither. <laughs> yeah, but like, I, you know, I would have loved to see Jared Gordon in this spot. Jared Gordon's a really good fighter. What do you think about, what do you think about the, the Patty Pimblett versus Kazula Vargas matchup? Um, I've never heard of Kazula Mar- Vargas either, but Patty Pimblett is one of those guys that, um, you know, his name is out there. Like even people that don't really know the UFC, they know him. He's yeah, only he's got the Barstool the sponsorship. Yeah, he's only fought in the UFC once, and you know people people don't even know that. They think this guy's like a big star already. <laughs> and um, he almost lost. He got yeah. very hurt. <laughs> yeah. So I'm excited to see how his game can develop. Obviously, I don't believe he's anywhere near. You know top 10 top five he's nowhere near that yet but he's certainly a character yeah um he's definitely a fan favorite at this point yeah i think this kazula vargas fight is a better matchup for him than jared gordon jared jared trains with paul felder out in milwaukee a gritty wrestler who likes to scrap hard i think the ufc is wise for not booking him in that fight uh it's it's a real it's a real tough fight for uh, patty if you were there but kazula vargas i mean is primarily a kickboxer and is very favorable matchup for patty I believe Kazula Vargas is maybe two and three in the UFC, if I'm not mistaken, or one and two, something of that nature. Very similar guy to Patty, but it's also, you know, obviously a favorable matchup. Yeah. All right. Now we got uh, Tony Ferguson versus Michael Chandler. Uh, Done, but not confirmed by Dana White. Uh, What do you think about that fight? (laughs) Um, I love it. Has fight of the night written all over it. Michael Chandler and Tony Ferguson, two guys that never back down from a fight, always uh, moving forward. Michael Chandler maybe has the the power advantage and um, the the wrestling, but I think Tony has maybe the submission advantage and the the volume and the pressure advantage. Definitely. So um, I can see this fight going either way, really. Definitely got fight of the night written all over it, though. For sure. Fight I don't really see this fight being super competitive at this stage in Tony's career, uh, unfortunately, because I love Tony. I know you love Tony. Uh, but I think it's fun. Right. I think it's the UFC giving him one last crack to kind of prove that he's among these guys, uh, the best in the best in the world. Uh, And, you know, I mean, I'm trying to see ways where he can get it done. I don't know if there really is a way for him to get it done. I mean, Chandler's the wrestling has just been Tony's huge weakness in the Dariush loss and the Oliveira loss, Uh, you know, and 
I will say that Chandler is not as much of an established grappler as those guys are. So it, it might make for a little bit better of a fight. And we saw Tony be at least competitive with Justin Gagey uh, until the later rounds. And, you know, it's a similar kind of matchup to Justin Gagey, uh, maybe a little bit more powerful, but a little less volume. Uh, if, but yeah, if I'm not mistaken at the end of it, was either the second round or the third round, Tony hit Justin Gagey with the uppercut damn near put him away with one. Absolutely. Shot, which you don't Absolutely. see very often. And, the only two guys, well, he lost to Tony, lost to Dariush as yeah. well, right? Dariush and, so, Dariush and Oliveira, who's the champ. And Gaethje, yeah. Yeah. And so two of those guys are fighting for the belt. Yeah. Soon. And Islam, and and, uh, he's ranked yeah. in like third or something. And he's so, fighting yeah. Islam for the number one contender spot. So, yeah. So, they very easily still very compelling match Yeah, for sure. All right. So we got a couple more. Uh, Vincente Luque versus Bilal Muhammad. The second, the rematch, uh, Luke beat him very easily the last time they fought. Um, now we got a new and improved Bilal with crazy wrestling and greedy style. What do you think about this fight? Um, you know, I love Bilal. I'm going to have to come in rooting for him. Um, Vincente Luque may have the advantage in every single facet of um, for wrestling, fight. right? I mean – yeah, maybe. maybe. Bilal is a good wrestling for sure, but Vincente Luque is killer submission game, killer power, killer striking. But I would love, like, there's nothing more that would bring me happiness and to see Bilal win. I'll for sure be rooting for Bilal, but it's definitely a tough matchup. But at the same time, I thought the Wonder Boy matchup was extremely and tough. And Wonder Boy outclassed Luque. Yeah. So you got to think about that. I mean, MMA math never really works like that, but uh, we at least know that Bilal deserves to be in there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, and uh, it's going to be a competitive fight. Again, you know, Luke is the clear favorite, no doubt about it. Uh, but, you know, still looking forward to seeing this one. All right, now we got a matchup for fans like us, old heads, who, uh, you know, ready for this to shine. Uh, Joe Lozon versus Cowboy Cerrone, booked for April. The last fight on both of their contracts, the last fight of both of their careers, almost definitely. Uh, this is going to be a banger. Like, it is still going to be a banger, I think. Even though, like, one good shot is enough for both of their chins to, like, fall out of their faces and out of the octagon at this point. Uh, what do you think about this fight? Um, <laughs> I'd rather just see both of these guys limit their brain damage, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, there used to be this thing about, like, it's not a Joe Lozon fight if the dude's not bleeding. <laughs> like, it's like, if there's not blood everywhere. Um, and Cowboy Cerrone has just looked not himself, like, really since – you know, the Jorge Masvidal fight, like, That's years true. and years ago. Yeah. And um, I obviously, I think it's going to be exciting. Cowboy has never been in a boring fight. He doesn't know how to be in a boring fight, neither does Joe Lozon. But I, I would rather see these guys uh, limit their hospital trips, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Cowboy does deserve one more uh, at 55. That's what he wanted. Uh, and I didn't know Joe Lozon was even thinking about fighting again, but here you go. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's fun, right? You know, it's, it's, a, it's a nostalgia type fight for you and me uh, who remember, you know, like Joe Lozon with his crazy, like jumping triangle against Jimmy Varner. Uh, surprised these guys never ran into each other years yeah, ago. Yeah, I mean, this, this would have been like a hot contender fight back in 2012. Yeah. So, Who would yeah. you have been taking in that one? Oh, geez, I don't know. I, I think Cowboy probably. Yeah, Cowboy looked real good, but Joey was so tricky back in the day. Yeah, you know, the, the slick submissions, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it. I, I'm you know I'm gonna hope and pray that these guys don't get hurt uh, in their last fight. But yeah, 
you know, it'll be it'll be interesting. All right, Burns versus Chamayev is almost confirmed. We got the BJ Penn report confirming it. Um, whatever we've talked about this ad nauseum. Uh, hopefully they get this done. I think we're both in that camp now. Time to get this fight done. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've been waiting for a long time to see Hamzat against one of the top ranked opponents. I know we saw him against the leech a little while ago and yeah. the hype is just building and building. I mean, we can't just talk about the same things every week. Like yeah. something's got to happen with this guy. <laughs> We're waiting. We're waiting. We're, We're on episode five and he still doesn't have a fight book. So we've been talking about since episode one, right? Yeah. I, mean, I think we talked about this. Didn't we talk about this fight on episode one? Yep. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, at this point, yeah. Uh, yeah, we can talk about Dana later, I think. Uh, Eagle FC. Did you get a chance to watch your first Eagle FC event in America? Oh, I didn't. Uh, who did they have fighting on that? Anybody I know? Oh, really? Uh, so Rashad Evans got his first win in eight years in the co-main event against Gabriel Checo. And then uh, the main event was Sergey Karatanov. Do you remember him? I do. I do yeah, he was in the Bellator Heavyweight Grand Prix. Okay. Uh, and he fought Tyrone Spong, who's the big, scary kickboxer out of uh, Florida. And uh, Karatanov took him down and beat the shit out of him and beat him. Nice. Karatanov used to fight at 205, and he had to cut about 20 pounds in the last three days to make heavyweight. Jeez. That boy is large. He's a large man. He stands about 5'10", and that tracksuit was like <laughs> having some trouble in the front over there. <laughs> and everyone thought he was out of shape, and Tyron was just going to whoop him because he had a six-pack. But, I mean, you know, it doesn't always work like that. you got to learn how to wrestle an MMA guy. Uh, all right, we can go to our what's up? All right, we're jumping in the next segment. Yeah. Next segment, absolutely. All right, why don't you introduce it? Um, this week we got our little like uh, kind of like our Izzy and Charlie fixed uh, fix shit. You know, yep. we try to do something different with the weight classes each week. Talk about you know some fighters that we want to see in the title picture, some fights that we want to see. So this week we're doing uh one fight in each weight class that we must see in 2022. All right. You want to get started with uh, women's 115? Yeah. This one, um, with the women's divisions, I found it a little bit harder to find fights that, you know, we hadn't already seen in the past. Um, but uh, I keep on coming back to this girl, uh, Amanda Lemos. Yeah, Lemos. You do, huh? yeah she's uh, one of my favorite. Er, no, not Amanda Lemos. Amanda Rivas. Sorry. Oh, it's Amanda Lemos. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Lemos. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Rebos fight. Amanda Hebas fights at 125. Yeah, I think Amanda Lemos is one of the most um, exciting fighters in that division that hasn't really fought a bunch of the top guys yet. And, you know, I think uh, there's some other fights in the division, in the division's future that um, is not that Rose is going to have to move out of that division eventually and try to do some other things. So, I'm looking to see Amanda Lemos versus uh, um, what's her name? Zhang Wei Li. Oh, really? So yeah. I actually had Wei Li in my uh, in my pick here too. I went with uh, Zhang Wei Li versus Yoanni and Jacek too. Uh, Yoanna wants us for her return fight, and I think this would be sick. I mean, the yeah. first fight was sick. Uh, we don't know what Yoanna's going to look like. We haven't seen her around in a little bit, uh, but I think you know. I mean, every time she fights, is a banger. So. I'm looking forward to seeing the, if that fight were to come to fruition. I would really love to see it. All right, 25. 25. Um, like I was talking about before, I'm looking for 
you know, rose to, to move up out of the division. And to me, there's really only one fight that's super compelling. Do we, by your nodding, do we maybe have the same fight? Yeah, yeah. I would love to see Rose Namahinas versus Valentina Shevchenko. I mean, but, what a fight that would be, right? Yeah. I mean, I, you got to favor Valentina because of the size and the athleticism, but Rose is, uh, Rose's striking is just so technically sneaky that you never really know. And she's got crazy power too. Yeah, All right. Absolutely. All right, 35. I guess at 35, you could call me cheat. You could say I'm cheating a little bit, you know, using the same fighter twice. Yeah. Um, but yeah. she's just that good. I can see her, you know, possibly being the double champ, holding two belts at once, simultaneously defending them. And I would love to see uh, Valentina Shevchenko versus Juliana Pena. You know, yep. In the future. Uh, I, I went with Amanda Nunes versus Juliana Pena, just the rematch. Uh, I think that will probably – that likely – will be one of Amanda's last two fights. Yeah, All right, I 45. You have the, the same fight here as well. I mean, there's really only one fight. There really is only one fight to be made. Uh, you can see this being uh, Amanda's retirement fight. Yeah. Um, kind of changing of the guard type of fight. If the UFC can get this contract all signed up, I would love to see Kayla Harrison versus Amanda Nunes. Yeah, and Kayla has hinted that the PFL is the front runner. They've offered her the most money, and the UFC has yet to respond. And that the UFC did offer her something, and it was a nice offer, but she's still entertaining all her options. Uh, I would love to see this fight. I think it's really the only fight that makes sense at women's 145 right now, a division that doesn't even have rankings. If they want to start to build this division up, they're going to have to do it with a new champion. So, And I, I would actually probably favor Harrison in that fight. Uh, so, yeah. It would not be easy for uh, Kayla to make that weight, though. Usually. She's made it before. Okay. She made it twice. So it'd be interesting to see. I mean, she's obviously – She's a big girl, so she's jacked. She's ginormous, but uh, yeah. All right, one twenty-five. Might have the same. Moving same on to here. men's yeah. one twenty-five, right? I got yeah, a might super as well just interesting say one here. Um, that maybe yeah, super interesting. Got a young prospect. Okay. In this division versus some guy, a guy who uh just jumping into being one of the top ranked guys in this division. I think this is one of the most compelling striking matchups we would be able to see. I would love to see Manel Cobb versus Kai Carter France. Interesting. Yeah, that'd be a crazy fight. Uh, I think they're kind of in separate places, but down the line, I don't know if we'll see that in 22. I think there's a high chance we could see it in 23, though. I will actually, you know, if uh, if Kai loses to Oskarov, then, then they could probably make that fight. Yeah, and then Manel wins whoever he's fighting against next, I think. Yeah. yeah, no, that'd be really interesting. Uh, I went with the the lame easy pick, which is Figgy Moreno four, uh, just because we have to see it. I mean, yeah, I mean, we have to see it. We'll see it. Yeah, we have to. I mean, there's really and it sucks for the rest of the division. Like it sucks for Kai Car France and Oskarov and Pantosha, but we got to see the fourth fight. It had just yeah. kind of has to happen at this point. Absolutely. All right, thirty five. I, I believe I talked about this one on one of our other segments where we, you know, did something similar to this, right? Where we did like fights that we have to see or something, or we did something along these lines. Um, you know, one of the biggest stars in the UFC, Sean O'Malley. I would love to see a matchup between him and TJ Dillashaw. Uh -huh. I think that would be, you know, TJ maybe would have tried to use the wrestling out there because TJ, you know, came into the game as a wrestler, but as far as striking matchup goes, striking matchups go, I think that would be so much fun. Interesting. Yeah, I like that pick. I went with a little bit of an outside the box thinking um, from a guy we've heard talk a lot from a guy you don't like. I went with Henry Cejudo versus Peter Yan. Uh, 
And I think that it's the most likely option if Henry, like Henry is actually serious about this comeback and is wanting to come back. I think he'll probably go at 35. Uh, he won't go at 25 because he doesn't want to make the weight. And he, obviously now he's coaching up Figgy. And I don't really think he's serious about going 45. There's no way he walks around at more than like 155, 160. So I, I don't think it'd be, I don't think he'd be giving himself a fair chance if he went to 45. Me neither. All right, 45. 45, I kind of went with the easy choice here. The obvious one that I think we all need to see because, you know, the first two fights were just way too close and a lot of people think they got it wrong. Max Holloway versus Volkanovski three. Yeah, um, I have that here as well, but then I kind of crossed it out because it was too easy. And I went with a fighter that we've actually been hearing some rumblings about recently returning to camp, returning to get ready for a fight. Uh, versus the guy who everyone has always wanted him to fight. Uh, I went with Zabit Magomedsharipov versus Yair Rodriguez. When was the last time that guy fought? Zabit fought Calvin Cater, I believe, in early 2019. So it's been a really he long won. time. Yeah, do you win? Yeah, he beat Calvin Cater pretty decisively. Uh, he's been semi-retired for a time. He had an injury. Uh, but then now apparently he's back training, wants to do it, uh, wants to get this. He was booked to fight Yair, I think, four times. Yeah, uh, and. I think that fight needs to happen. Yair's in the right spot for it. It's a good comeback fight for uh, Zabit to prove that he's he still got it or not. Uh, and I would love to see it. I mean, Zabit was, you know, the biggest unanswered question in the whole division. Nobody really knew how good he was. Yeah, absolutely. All right. 55, we have the same pick. Yeah, I'm sure we do. The fight <laughs> to see um, this next title fight is going to be super interesting, but – um, I think we all have – me and Izzy probably got the same pick for that one too. And then we're we're looking to see Islam versus uh, Charles Oliveira. Yeah, I believe this is the second coming, second iteration of the fight we were promised between Tony Ferguson and Khabib. Uh, I believe this is the closest we're going to get to that. And, uh, yeah, I think obviously this fight needs to happen. All right, 170. thing is Khabib, but what, what, um, what 170. You... I believe we both probably got one of the same fighters in this. Yeah, maybe not. Uh, but we're all looking to see Hamza fight, and I could have went with the easy one against Burns, but I decided that I was going to pick Hamza versus Usman because you know who doesn't want to see that? Yeah, it'd be sick. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that might be that if 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 Usman were to win, that might be his last fight. Yeah. Um. So I was saying that uh, you know, yeah, I just went with uh, Hamza versus the world, like Hamza versus yeah. Colby, Hamza versus Gilbert. Hamza versus Usman. Hamza versus anyone where we can see his talent. Because yeah, if this I mean, guy yeah, keeps looking how he's looking, nobody's stopping him. Yeah. Short of a title fight. All right. Uh, 85. Uh, I guess you could say I'm cheating again here. Me too. A division because I didn't really see too many compelling fights that we haven't already seen. Um, at that weight class, and I would love to see Kamara Usman move up. You know, if Israel Adesanya doesn't get to hold that title, I would love to see Usman move up and fight Robert Whitaker. Yeah, I agree. You got Usman versus Whitaker too? I do. Okay. Um, 205 is, um, you know, kind of a division where there's some new fresh guys that we don't uh, – we haven't really seen all that much of. You know, they're – young up-and-comers and i think two there's two of these european guys who are great strikers that we haven't seen you know um too much of except for that one spinning elbow by yuri so i'm looking to see yuri provacco versus alexander rakic this year 
Why do you want to see Alexander Rakic fight? Because I think he's a good fighter. He's the most boring man alive. Man just sits on people. <laughs> like he doesn't even wrestle. All right. I want to see uh, Yuri Prohaska versus Jamal Hill. I think uh, that's an intriguing striking matchup and actually will be interesting if it happens. <laughs> Way to shit on my pick. <laughs> As opposed to Rakic, who just like, you know. He's a good kickboxer. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, I like every time I, I go into his fight with like high expectations and he just like, it's a snooze fest, you know? No. So, all right. Heavyweight. Uh, I think we probably got the same fight here, too. Maybe not. Everybody wants to see this. This would be, you know, one of the maybe the biggest fight that the UFC has ever put on John Jones versus Francis Ngannou. Yeah, I just put here uh, John Jones versus whoever's going to fight him because uh, we don't know what, what Francis is going to do. Uh, John versus Stipe is an intriguing matchup. John versus Cyril, maybe, not really, no, not with the wrestling. Uh, but John Jones at heavyweight versus whoever's going to fight him. I think is, is the way to go with this one. Mm-hmm. All right. Our top five games of the week. I'll let you uh, introduce the segment. Yeah. So we're doing another top five, just like every week. We got two good categories here. Um, maybe bo- both of them this week are more serious categories. You don't really have too much of a comedy one, but um, hopping right into the first top five, we got the top five biggest hype train era events. And I guess I'll jump right into my number five. Sure. This one kind of reminds me of like a Patty Pimbit type of fighter. Um, I got Sage Northcutt versus Mickey Gall. Oh, that's a fun one. You know, uh, there was like a point in time where Sage Northcutt had like one fight in the UFC, maybe two fights in the UFC. And people were acting like he was the next coming of Conor McGregor. And people were so high on him just because of his looks and his style and, um, for and the the whole he was the Dana White looking for a fight thing, and I remember when he fought Mickey Gall, it was kind of just like wow, that guy's not not all that. Yeah, uh, it's a great pick. I didn't have it on here, but very good one. Uh, number five, I went with Uriah Hall versus Kelvin Gastelum. I think that coming out of the Ultimate Fire, Uriah Hall was like, you know, everyone was high on him, uh, and he's actually panned out to have a halfway decent career, but you know. Uh, almost double digit losses uh, really has shown major holes in his game. Uh, and it was really exposed when he fought Kelvin Gastelum, who was supposedly on his level, you know? Yeah. All right. Number Another four. one of those, it uh, kind of shows uh, similarities to this upcoming fight, right? Top, like top guy that everybody was like, Oh my God, he's so good versus Kelvin Gastelum. Who's the last pick on the show. Right. Definitely. Well, we'll see. Yeah. Um, coming in at my number four, I got one of the most fun fights I remember watching, just being so happy watching this uh, heavyweight matchup between big ginger wrestler from Minnesota and um, one of the best heavyweights of all time, in my opinion, Brock Lesnar versus Cain Velasquez. Is he a, is he a ginger, Brock Lesnar? Is he not a ginger? Oh, he's blonde. No, nah, I think he's ginger. I was so confused. You said ginger. Brock Lesnar is Blonde, bro. No, bro. He's that's blonde. As ginger as they come. He's aggressively blonde. Uh, no, Brock Lesnar is not blonde. All right. I mean, shit. I don't know. He's definitely blonde. All right. Back on track. Ginger to me. No, Number he's four, I went with Mark Coleman versus Maurice Smith. Uh, back in the early days of the UFC, Mark Coleman uh, had just taken the title uh, and was. Sh- uh, you know, nobody was going to be able to beat Mark Coleman. 
he was uh the wrestling he showed that you know what dan severn was doing with the wrestling he was able to put it get together with some catch wrestling and make it work uh and not a lot of people were thinking that Murray Smith with any wrestling had any wrestling defense deal with Coleman, but Coleman got exhausted and got outworked and uh, lost the title. Yeah. All right. Number three. Number three, we got maybe the most obvious one on the list. Um, we got a real ginger now, real ginger. Okay. Another guy who I'm 99% sure is ginger by your definition. Irish man. Um, was acting like he ruled the world. He was on top of the MMA game for a long time. Ran into this guy from Stockton. <laughs> got choked out. He wasn't Dude, surprised. Connor is not a ginger. What are you yes, talking what about? What are you talking about? Connor is absolutely Dude, he has brown hair and no, no freckles. No. no. Connor's, he has okay, brown red hair, hair and whatever. no freckles. What are you talking about? Red hair. Connor has red hair. Or at least he did in his earlier career. Are you but, serious? Okay, he's a fucking leprechaun. He's from Ireland. <laughs> Just because he's Irish, he has red hair. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. okay, but him versus Nate Diaz, number three. All right. Uh, I don't even have Connor on my list. Like, I don't have uh, any champions on my list because I don't think that they're hype trains so, if they win a title. Uh, number three, I have Todd Duffy, who you may remember. Uh, you know, he was a supposedly a force uh, winning, you know, some really big fights by knockout. Had a huge physique, was the second coming of the new heavyweight. And then I don't remember the guy who he fought's name. Uh, guy was not over five foot eight inches tall at heavyweight. Uh, looked like he had just uh, done a shift cleaning the local elementary school. <laughs> Todd dominated him for three rounds. He got absolutely put to sleep with like one minute left and then yeah. never looked the same. Got knocked out in six seconds by Frank Mir. Uh, and yeah, I mean, just one of the, truly one of the biggest uh, stories of hype train derailment ever. All right, number two. Um, so this one is a pretty good one. I don't think you have this anywhere on your list. Uh, this is a guy who got signed by the UFC undefeated. He never really been touched before. His first fight in the UFC was a crazy back and forth fight that a lot of people had a lot of questions about. And everybody was really looking forward to seeing what he could do against high level fighters. And he came in and got knocked out in what, like six seconds? Ben Askren versus Jorge Masvidal. I have Ben Askren versus Jorge Masvidal as my number two pick. Oh, <laughs> all right. Number one. Number one. Um, you're not going to agree with this one because you said like with the champions thing earlier. Um, I got this woman who at the time was being looked at as you know maybe the best athlete and the, the most dominant athlete in the world. People were saying that she should go box Floyd Mayweather right. and that, you know, she's beating this is, up, this is probably the right answer. I don't have that. Right she's beating up dudes in the gym that she's knocking out the guys. There's like, there's video of her coaches saying that she's knocking out. Yeah. The guys. Yeah. You're, you're right. You're correct. And um, little, little preacher's daughter comes in head movement. Yeah. Hits her with that, that right high kick, puts her to sleep. Holly home versus Ronda Rousey. Yeah. Um, that's the right answer. I didn't have it. Uh, my number one pick, I don't know if you remember this guy's uh, ultimate fighter alum who had a move that apparently nobody could stop. Uh, Cody McKenzie. Making, yeah. Cody McKenzie he was making waves with the UFC had one win and then they threw him in there with Chad Mendes. <laughs> it's just so crazy. <laughs> like, Oh yeah. Cody McKenzie had one win at 55. Now he wants to drop to 45. Let's throw him in there with the number one contender. <laughs> 
Chad Mendez, who knocked him out in 28 seconds with a body shot. So, yeah, no. <laughs> now uh, Cody McKenzie's retired, and uh, his last fight of his career, interestingly enough, he had to donate blood in order to make 170. Jesus. So I don't know what's going on with that guy. That guy was nuts, though. Yeah. All he right. Was, he was a weird guy. Yeah, strange dude. All right. Uh, top five wholesome moments in MMA history, one that brings warmth okay. to your heart and moisture to the eyes. Uh, we're going to start with uh, number make... five for me. Oh, sorry. You go first. Yeah, I want to introduce this one since you introduced the last one. You know, of course. Come on of course. Now. Uh, number five, and I'm taking a little bit of a, a crazy angle because this actually has not happened yet. Uh, but when Walt Harris wins a fight, <laughs> that will be a very heartwarming moment because he deserves to win a fight. Don't you agree? Yeah, it's kind of messed up that you said like put that on there. But what do you mean? You kind of tried to make it into a joke a little. It's bit. not a joke. He should win a fight. When he wins a fight, it'll be the heartwarming, and I believe he will win a fight. How about that? I put it on the list. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so for me, this one was uh, this list was kind of hard to make. You see a lot of the same type of moments where like after the fight is a war, the fighters come up and they like congratulate each other. So I tried to avoid moments like that. Yeah. Um, my, my fifth one is maybe something of a moment, a little bit closer to that. I got when George St. Pierre came back from a uh, years off and That's beat Michael Bisping for the belt at 185. That's That's one. Mm -hmm. All right. My number four is uh, Michael Chiesa winning the ultimate fighter after his father passed away on the show. Uh, I think that was a really good one. Uh, really a wholesome moment. Yeah. Um, my number four doubles as my number one on the last list. Huh. Uh, we see after Holly Holm knocks out Ronda Rousey, you see her like running around the ring, crying with her, her hands in her face. Yeah, that was that was very wholesome. Good. Wholesome yeah. moment. Uh, my number three pick is one you definitely have on your list. Uh, it was a very recent uh, title fight. Uh, Glover Teixeira winning this. You don't have Glover on your list? Such a sweet moment. Brought tears to the eyes. Why not? You don't think Glover's wholesome? <laughs> no, it kind of looks like Shrek. Oh, bro. What? <laughs> I asked the champ. Glover, you're not listening. But if you were, come get this man. <laughs> All right. <laughs> he said he looks like Shrek. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so your number three is Glover Teixeira winning. Yeah. Uh, I got another number three similar to my number four. Uh, we got after the Anderson Silva versus Nick Diaz fight, Anderson laying on the mat, crying. Um, don't really know too much, but with that, definitely a great moment. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, my number two was the retirement of Khabib Nurmagomedov. That might be your number one, uh, or maybe not, but – uh, yeah, just like a truly wholesome speech talking to Justin, you know, savor this time with your parents and talking about the death of his father was truly poignant and wholesome. Yeah, um, I wanted to put that on, but that was like a little bit more of a sad moment than a wholesome moment to me, True. even though I really do want to put that on. My number two is maybe something that you have on the list, maybe something you don't. I think this deserves to be on every wholesome MMA list moment. We got Mama Woodley after the Usman fight. Goes up to uh, Usman's mother, gives her condolences. Um, Mama Woodley is also always one of the most wholesome characters in the yeah, sport. Yeah, she's a goat. Mm -hmm. um, my number one pick is Daniel Cormier becoming the double champ and giving his speech. 
uh, crying, saying I'm a double champ, I'm 40 years old, all that jazz. That was the most wholesome moment in the sport for me. Um, my most wholesome moment in the sport may be a little bit corny. Surprised you don't have this anywhere on your list, honestly. We got uh, Alexander Gustafson after winning uh, one of his fights ever day against oh, Jesus. Come on. That's so corny. Yeah, but it's a good moment, you know? Yeah, after he knocked out Glover. Yeah, proposing. You don't have Glover on your list, but no. you have him getting knocked out. <laughs> Get it. Getting basically dunked on by Alex proposing. <laughs> yeah, well, that was a great moment to me. All right. Uh, now we can jump into our little talk about combat sports. Not really much in the way of combat sports this week. You know, Tyson Fury is getting offered $30 million for his fight. That's a big one. But, you know, boxers get paid. It's what it is. Uh, I just want to make a note about Penn State. You know, yeah. You, beat, you did a lot of talking about how close that duel meet was going to be. It was not close at all. I know. Well, well did, uh, did Penn, Penn State lost, what, two matches out of yeah, 13, right? Yeah, the, the Iowa one was close. Did you watch the Iowa one? No, Iowa versus Penn State. Yeah, so it was came down to one match. And I was really interested with what's happening at heavyweight because you saw Kirk Vliet beat Mason Paris, right? But then didn't Tony Cassiope beat Kirk Vliet? And it wasn't that close. No, so I'm – I mean, I, it's kind of a race for second place in that for division, sure. obviously. But, like, but it, it makes you wonder, like, so if Cassiope gets the two-seated Big Tens, he'll probably have to beat Kirk Vliet again. Uh, and then he'll get to be the two-seated NCAAs, and he'll get to just be Schultz in the, the – Oh, yeah, season. and then I even think about Colton Schultz because he's ranked number two in that division right well, now. now number three. But he hasn't um, fought – he hasn't uh, wrestled any of those guys, has No, he? yeah, because he's in, you know, in the other conference, and he's been spend, spending a lot of time focusing on Greco. So, yeah. oh, heavyweight's really interesting. Yeah, very interesting. All right. Uh, just one question this week from my old buddy Kyle Meineke. Uh, very nice to hear from you, Kyle. Football as well. I uh, we used to do a lot of judo together. Uh, very good guy. I, I remember I badly injured his leg one time, but you know, yeah. What, what, what was that look? I was just like, I knew you were going to say that. I remember talking that. about the injury. Yeah. Well, you know, that's the last time we kind of sparred in judo. So yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope he's doing well. Anyway, Ngannou uh, versus Jones. We talked about that already. Adesanya versus Whitaker. We kind of talked about that already, but. Yeah, me and Chuck are actually both thinking that uh, leaning towards Whitaker. We got a month to make our pick, but yeah. I mean, with just seeing how, um, you know, Adesanya's looked in his last couple of fights and Whitaker's looked, uh, I think, you know, Whitaker may be able to use some wrestling, mix it up a little bit more. And Adesanya, um, you know, just game plan differential. And sure. they're both obviously great strikers, but I think Whitaker this time may show that he is – the more complete fighter in this fight. Yeah, I think that's accurate. Um, yeah, I'm totally on board with that. And uh, that's our only question about, this week. Uh, we can talk about Ngannou versus that on Jones us. a little bit more too, if you'd like. Sure, we can talk about that. Um, I, I, I think in previous episodes, I have said who I think. <laughs> and you seem to disagree with me. And maybe, you know, I mean, it is hard to pick against John Jones, especially with the grappling yeah. and uh, Francis. I didn't know about his knee injuries at the time, obviously. Maybe my my thoughts are changing a little bit simply because of the grappling and the wrestling, even though he's shown uh, – Francis has shown that he can do all that, but it's uh, definitely hard to pick against John Jones. John Jones? You saying John Jones? Making the pick right now, locking it in? No. No. <laughs> no? We'll see. I mean, if the fight gets confirmed, we'll, we'll have an episode before the card. That's true, and we got a lot of time to make these picks, so. That's very yeah. 
Maybe we'll even right. see Ngannou fight one more time. Oh, I don't know. I think it's John Jones or boxing. That's what I think. Maybe it's boxing and then John Jones. Interesting. All right. Bets of the week. I actually put some thought into this, and then the Phil Hawes fight kind of fell out, so now I'm kind of fucked. But, uh, yeah. Um, I can jump right in. I have two picks. Um, to me, these are the two most compelling fights on the card, kind of sticking with my theme of just picking two fights that I really like. Yeah. Picking um, a way of way of winning and uh, a winner, Sean Strickland, by fourth round TKO. Interesting. And Shavak Ramakov by third round submission. Interesting. Yeah. Um, two of my picks, uh, a half unit in total, were on the Sam Alvey Phil Hawes fight. So I don't have access to those odds. The breaking news hit right before the episode, so I didn't have time to update. Uh, so I'm only making my picks on a unit and a half. I hope you guys will forgive me. Uh, my picks are Rachmaninoff by submission, a quarter of a unit at plus 350, which I think is ludicrous considering he's submitted everyone he's fought in the UFC. Uh, Gore by KO. Uh, plus two, 25 or 25 units, uh, which is at plus 180. Uh, it's it's the likely it's the likely finish based on the odds, uh, but it's also a dog, and I think that's probably how this fight's going to end up playing out. Uh, Arosa by submission, half a unit is at plus 350. Uh, I think that's a steal given how Julian's fought in his last couple of fights uh, and the experience of his opponent. I went with Sean Strickland by decision, which is actually plus 180, which I think is crazy. He's basically won all of his fights by decision. Uh, yeah, and those are my picks. Uh, we've had, how, have, how have you done recently? Have you been keeping track or not really? Um, I think last week, what did I pick? I picked Nganu by KO, right? Yeah, and I picked, uh, I think I picked Moreno too yeah. by a uh, decision. So I don't think I did too well last week. I think I broke even last week, but I'm not sure. Um, but I definitely have won some, <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, I'm not actually sports betting this week yet because it's been so mobbed, but I want to start because I want to start integrating parlays. I think the people want to see some parlays. Yeah, so. they definitely do. All right. Well, thanks for sitting down with me. Thanks to the, our three listeners or whoever they are. And uh, looking forward to coming back at you hopefully next week. All right. Yeah. See you guys. Thank you.